This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good afternoon, Cherries fans, and welcome to this latest show here on Up the Cherries in All Departments. Now, following yesterday's win against Stoke City in the Carabao Cup and also our defeat against Brighton last time out in the Premier League at the Amex, we do have the visit from Arsenal, a side managed by Mikel Arteta and also with, you know, significant signings made in the summer, the likes of Declan Rice, Kai Havertz and Jurian Timber joined the club. Now, I do have a very, very special guest with me today. That guest is from the leading YouTube channel dedicated to a football club. Of course, that channel being Arsenal Fan TV. And it is a pleasure to welcome back onto the show, James from AFTV. Good afternoon, James. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all good. It's great to be back. Um... Look forward to another another lively game. They've been quite lively between the two. Um, but yeah, I'm all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Especially that one at the Emirates. That was quite an exciting yeah. game. Yeah, and I and now I remember you know being on this channel back at the time. Um and you know, you guys weren't feeling too good about survival hopes and all that. Um, but Bournemouth had shown a lot and, and came through and obviously changed manager since. Um but uh but Bournemouth you know, ended really impressively. So, you know, the trouble you caused us at the Emirates ended up proving sort of true to form rather than, you know, oh, we caught you on a bad day or whatever. Um, Bournemouth did really well, picked up some big results. That day, Arsenal showed, I don't know, champions mentality, all that rubbish. I mean, obviously, we never became champions, but, um, you know, we had to dig really deep and find a way to win that game, and we did. So it was incredibly dramatic. Um, in lots of ways uh, but I'm delighted you guys are still still in the division I think you thoroughly deserve to be um, and I've actually tipped you guys for a really big season so um, yeah I'm looking forward to this game I think it's a good test We'll come back to the Bournemouth manager and also how it links into Arteta because there is something that really does link them and I did a video with somebody who was quite impressive unfortunately he doesn't speak much English so I had to kind of narrate everything um, myself, but we'll come back to that in a bit. But 
Let's go back to last season and, of yeah. course, where it all dropped off. And it was pretty much after that Man City game, wasn't it? It all started to fall yeah. apart slowly. And I think it culminated in that um, Forest defeat, didn't it, at the City ground? Yeah, I think it went wrong long before that, actually. Um, the thing was, we went on a bad run in February where we lost at Goodison. That mm. can happen. That can happen, yeah. you know, Goodson Park and all that. But more often than not, the champions of England just find a way. It's like a, that's why I was so happy we won there a few weeks ago. It was like a really good kind of marker we put down to say, look, we, we've come here, we've won, we've we've got the Goodson curse past us. But it started a chain of bad results where mm-hmm. we drew it home to Brentford. Uh, we just lost to Man City in the FA Cup, and then we went to, well, no, we ha- we hosted Man City at the Emirates. Tommy Asu makes an error on the first goal. We go 1-0 down. We, we fight hard to come back into it. We could have and should have gone 2-1 up in that game, in my opinion. I thought we played well enough to win that game. But we yeah. end up losing again via another error. And it started, and the reason I, I talk about that game in so much detail there is because it just started a chain reaction of errors in games costing us big time. And um, you saw it then in the Bournemouth game, you know, conceding in the first minute, you know, really sloppy, poor defending. No one should ever concede in the first minute. Um, although it was a brilliant routine from Bournemouth, I'll give credit yeah. for that. Um, and there, there were just so many other moments where, you know, Ramsdale against Southampton. And then we did actually put together another seven games on the bounce, which was brilliant. Only to follow it with another run of four or five games. But these, you know, that second half of the season was littered with errors and not even necessarily bad defending, just incredibly open defending. Um, you know, very kind of punch for punch. And over 38 games, that takes a toll, and we we couldn't really hack it. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a disappointing end to the to the season. Yeah, and you saw a lot of those mistakes and that kind of vulnerability rear its head when we played you guys at the Emirates. See, I did think, and I said it early on in the season, I thought that Arsenal were going to go on to win it because I thought that the way you were playing early on in the season was, you know, head and shoulders above everybody, including Manchester City. Now, of course, Mm. Man City, fantastic side, Erling Haaland, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, they really did show their quality. And that's why they won the treble in the end. But... You know, it felt like it was Arsenal's year. And really what I wanted to come on to is, do you feel that the side have got better since that point? Or do you think it might have tailed off, even despite, you know, the three signings, you know, three outstanding signings, I should say, Havertz, Jurian Timber, and of course, we can't forget Declan Rice. Do you feel so, that it maybe has kind of tailed off a little bit? It's a great question. And, I've, and and I think Arsenal fans are, we're in a period of understanding this team where, so so last, so I was just talking about how open we were last year. Mm. And that's absolutely true. And, but we played some scintillating football. I mean, you yeah. watch some of the highlights of our first half of the season. I mean, it was like top draw stuff, you know. I mean, only the Centurions and the great Barcelona side of 2009 to 11 can I think of playing like better football? I know that might seem like really high yeah. praise, but I mean, it was, and, and not, not only, and, and that high praise is probably warranted, not only because we, you know, we were playing well with the top of the league, 
because we had 50 points by the halfway stage, you know, we were on course for a hundred point season. So I think it's fair to compare to the Centurions and to those great sides and the way we were playing football. But the fluidity dropped off slightly and that kind of coincided with the Jesus injury. But more so because, well, maybe we lost Jesus so we weren't quite as potent or whatever, although we were scoring goals. We became very open. I think teams started to realise that, you know what, they're throwing plays forward and yeah, they're brilliant in attack, but they're leaving something going the other way. Yeah. Now in this season, we haven't looked as fluid, but we haven't looked as open. We haven't looked as uh, breakable, kind of, and that's not the word, but you don't feel like you can cut through us with ease. And what's been really interesting watching Arsenal is, on the one hand, we're frustrated because we don't feel like we're going to score with every attack, which is what we felt last season. But the opposition don't feel like they're going to do anything either. So we just drew 2-2 two -two at Tottenham. And Arsenal fans in the aftermath were, were infuriated by it. And there was loads of things that yeah. piled onto it. It was... It was the injury list. It was the the errors that led to goal. The fact it's a North London derby, the the team selection, the subs. There's lots of things that I think piled onto it. The expectation, a big part. But actually, while it took a deflected goal and, and a penalty for us to score, we had other opportunities. We could have been two, three and a lot by half time. Mm -hmm. Tottenham actually had very little in that game. They played some brilliant stuff. They yeah. were very composed and they, they they showed that they're buying into Andrew Postacoglu very early and very quickly. But actually, we allowed very, very little. And that's been a theme of all our games. We mm. beat Nottingham Forest 2-1, but it was actually a 3-0 performance. We drew 2-2 with Fulham, but it was really a 2-3-1 win Like in terms of the performance we put out there is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. The Palace away game, we won 1-0. We had to hold on with 10 men. Everton away, we won 1-0. We had to not hold on, but, you know, just be kind of professional throughout. But those, those performances were two 3-0 performances. Now, I know it sounds crazy I keep saying our results should have been better than the results were. But what I'm trying to say is that we've had a really good defensive structure. We've allowed the teams very little while doing enough to get a couple goals ourselves. So yeah. I think Arteta is evolving us into a team that is far more pragmatic while still not... What's the word? Um, while still not uh, giving up on our yeah. philosophy and what we want to do and our way of playing, and um, we've been, we've been, you know, good this year. We've just not been as exciting. So hopefully, over thirty-eight games, that translates to far fewer defeats, far few <clears> goals conceded, and therefore a title race. But you know, whether we are good enough to win a league, I don't know. But I do think there's a there's a very good chance we have improved on last year. I just don't think it's quite evident to the eye yet. You know, it's not as exciting for sure. Do you know what? I'm going to bring my question forward about, um, of course, the comparison between Arteta and Andoni Iriola because of both of them are Basque managers. And Basque managers, of course, Lopetegui as was, and Unai Emery, two others, they do have a sort of style of play where they like to keep hold of the ball, press really high, um, and one thing I've found, and comparing him against Gary O'Neill, because we seem to go a bit more direct under Gary O'Neill, it was a little bit more, it's a bit more scrappy. It wasn't pretty football, but it was effective. What we seem to be doing is playing beautiful football now. And we're not seeming to be getting the goals up front as often from different positions. But also, we seem to be making the mistakes at the back. And it seems like we are trying to transition into the Arsenal way of playing. Does that sound similar to what 
you had to go through at the Emirates. Yep, strap in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, you'll see errors. You'll want to tear your hair out, but you have to believe that it's about improving and making those errors because eventually you're going to reap the, the rewards of playing out the back. You know, clubs will be encouraged to press you. You'll play out the press. You'll attack more open teams. Mm-hmm. You just got to be patient with it. And Iraola um, comes with really, really high praise from... Yeah. Well, Mikel Arteta himself mentioned him when he was listing yep. the great managers in the league. Um, and others who have followed his journey in Spain say, you know, this was one of the most... What was his previous club? I forget. Rayo Vallecano. Right. A lot of people said that, you know, he really impressed there. Um, so, yeah, you do have to be patient with it. I mm-hmm. think, and I really am, and I don't want to... I think I've said this line before on this podcast. That I don't want to sound condescending, but but it's true of Arsenal fans too and whatever. I I believe that if my team are going to go through struggles and teething periods and grow growing pains, I would much rather they did it trying to play really good football. Now, Bournemouth, I don't think results wise. I mean, are you? I haven't even sorry because I've been ill. I haven't sort of done all my research going into this game yet. But you are you winless so far in the league? A couple. We of draws are. Yeah, on? yeah. So we're winless. Um, three draws. Um, the rest right. being defeats. Yeah, but three draws and three defeats isn't like a terrible return. It's, no. it's. It, it, I mean, you haven't won yet, but it's like you're not getting beaten easily. And I watch your game against Tottenham. Yes, Tottenham looked like they could score with every attack, but actually you looked like you were going to score when you came forward. Chelsea had chances, but you absolutely had chances. And so I think my, my, my feeling with Bournemouth is you're going to entertain at least through this teething period, this difficult time, but I think you're going to have plenty to actually get over the line. Dominic Solanke, who I think I read is a doubt for this game, but I'm not 100% sure if that's proven yeah. true. Yeah, he um, did come off yesterday. Okay. So, you know, he, he's the kind of player, he leads the line, he's quite complete as a striker, so he'll kind of yeah. bring players into play. You've got other exciting attacking options like Uatra and, and Cliver and players like that who I think could thrive. You know, David Brooks coming back into the team, I think will thrive under uh, this manager who wants to play good attacking football. It's also part of your DNA. You came up with Eddie Howe playing really good attacking football. It's not it's not like, oh, Bournemouth are trying to be this. Bournemouth made their name coming to the Premier League, being brave, being attacking. And I think you finished ninth under Howe. Was that your highest finish? Yes, it was, yeah. Um, yeah. In the second season. Um, right. We did have Jack there Wilshire on loan from you guys at the time, though, as well. Well, there you go. And he did quite yeah. well, I think. Well, I hope it, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and there you go. I know my Bournemouth quite well. Who knew? Yeah. But, but, but my... <laughs> But my, my thing is, I, I've tipped you guys to finish 10th this year. And I know that that now six games in might feel like a bit of a stretch. But when everyone was going for Burnley as their, their surprise of the season, I was saying, you know, Irola with a club like Bournemouth who are, you know, showing new investment in the team, you know, and are, are back in the manager. I think you guys will, will be all right. And I think just there's been early signs of the football we've been playing. But you do have to be patient with it because... With Arteta, we didn't even get the good football that quickly. It actually took a while for the players to really understand. Um, yeah. And obviously, I think there's more of a demand to win now at Arsenal. So he had to sort of be malleable and play around with the system to try and get results a bit more instantly as well while trying to implement the style of play. And actually, we didn't start to look like the team we wanted to be until Arteta went, 
right, F this. I'm basically one defeat from losing my job. So if I'm going to lose it, I'm going to lose it my way. And he basically brought Smith Rowe in, Martinelli, Saka, younger players, reverted to a back four because we've been playing a back five. Suddenly we looked yeah. exciting again. So, well, or better for sure. Um, and I think that's essentially what Irola is going to have to do. Play his way, stick to it. You might have some bumpy moments, but I think Bournemouth will absolutely benefit from it. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And to be honest, I, I did release a video the other day, which was quite critical of Iriola and just those concerns. But, you know, I'm hoping you're right. And he does follow the Arteta way. And we do get to a point where we are scoring a lot more goals. We're not making those mistakes at the back and everything just clicks. And hopefully yeah. that's only a couple of if, weeks If you away. don't mind me asking, what, what were the critiques of Iriola? I think really it was the case that we was making too many mistakes at the back, that we were keeping possession really well. We were the much the better side in the first half against Brighton. We didn't take our opportunities when they did come along. We should have had a penalty as well. Um, but really it was the mistakes at the back. So when Neto um, and Kirkes made a mistake, I think that's probably on the players, probably on the captain Neto on that one. Um, but also how we set up in the second half as well. There was seemed to be no plan B, no plan C, because Brighton changed their formation. And 16, and I don't know how you do this, 16 seconds from kickoff, our own kickoff, we've conceded um, through Matoma. So there is concerns on that front, is just that defensive frailty, making those errors, because we're trying to play out from the back, nice passing football. Whereas these players last season were used to being very direct and being a bit, the football wasn't great under Gary O'Neill. I was a big fan of his, but the football in all honesty, wasn't particularly very good. And I can understand why some Wolves fans are already fed up with him. I think he'll get them over the line, but I think it's just, the way he plays football, it's not attractive on the eye. It's horrible football. Um, well, well, it's interesting because I actually Wolves, I thought looked good in the cup in the, some of the games I'd seen against Man yeah. United and uh, who, who, Liverpool. They played recently. I thought they played a really did, yeah. high press, aggressive style. But there's one thing: doing it for 45 minutes or a period of time and looking, you know, looking like that's your way. And there's another thing: instilling it over a period of time. But yeah, Gary O'Neill, look, he, he did his thing, right? He kept you guys up. But I actually admire I admire the ambition from Bournemouth to to say thank you, but this isn't actually what we're about. And that's they're well within their right to do that. Yeah, completely agree with you on that, mate, because I think Bill Foley has got a philosophy. You know, he has taken ice hockey to the desert, which is already an unthinkable thing. You know, how he thought that up, I don't know. But then... You know, he's gone and won the Stanley Cup in the NFL, uh, NHL, sorry, I should say. Um, and, you know, what he's trying to do here is, yeah, we're not going to win the Premier League. We're not, you know, unrealistic. But I think he's wanting to drive us into those European places, you know, in contention for those. That's where he wants to get us. So, that, And that's incredibly doable. I mean, I mean... Mm. You've got to think, right? Now they're saying that there's this fifth Champions League spot, which is based on coefficient, and England have an 80% yeah. chance of getting that fifth spot. Okay, so that's great. So 
if, if the first five are Champions League and then you're going to the next two, sixth and seventh for Europa and then the eighth gets conference, now they've added this competition. From three years ago, there's two places added now because yeah. of that conference and that extra Champions League. So where you've got the big six, sure, that used to, it used to feel like, oh, well, that's, that's European football kind of dominated yeah. there. But now you've got these openings. Brighton are brilliant now, but will they be in two, three years. We will see. I mean, is it sustainable to keep selling your best assets, keep being brilliant, have the best managers, have them taken? I don't know. But we've seen other clubs be there. Southampton, Swansea, relegated since. So, yeah. you know, the, the the opportunity, if you invest right and build steadily, absolutely is there. If someone told me Bournemouth play Euro, Europa League football in the next three years, I would not be, I wouldn't be shocked. There'd be no problem going, wow, really? I'd be, yeah, okay, that that seems absolutely doable. What there's always two of the big the big six. I mean, I'm saying that, but yeah, the traditional yeah. big six, all that. There's always two that have a, an off season and drop to a sixth or a seventh. And that's just what the that's just what football's been the last few years. So the openings are there. Well, if you said back in 2008 that Bournemouth would be in European football, I think I would have thought you'd be barking mad, to be honest, James. But, you know, of course, minus 17, down the bottom of League Two, you know, it'd be a tremendous story. And, you know, the next next step on the ladder, really, you know. Yeah. So I'm hope, hoping that you're right on that front. But let's I'm bring it back sure. to Arsenal, because... Somebody we know very well, Aaron Ramsdale, has been dropped and replaced with former Brentford goalkeeper David Rea. What was Arteta's thinking behind that? Well, uh, take your pick that he's ruthless, that Ramsdale's not good enough, that he wants competition for goalkeepers, that, I don't know, that he likes to cause a stir. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we, we we really actually don't know about this one. Um, yeah. The early signs are Raya played the first Champions League game in the last two league games in a row. That tells you he's, he's his number one, which means he's brought him to improve on Ramsdale. And he's well within his right to do that. Like yeah. Bournemouth are well within their right to sack Gary O'Neill, who did nothing wrong and kept you up and... It's very easy for outsiders to say all this. And my word is there have been a lot of outside opinion on this Ramsdale stuff. Mm. You're not, you know, he, he deserved better and blah, blah, blah. And he's done well for you. And what are you doing? And hold on. If Mikel Arteta feels that David Raya is even a 2% improvement on Aaron Ramsdale, he has every right to do that deal because it might be the 2% that costs us against Man City. Mm. And these are the things that I think cause up such a stir and you're right to ask the question, and we've been debating it loads. Um, but the, it does feel like the media have had such a weird perspective on this. They've been so like, like it's such a drama. Um, I do think it's uh, it's a talking point because Aaron Ramsdale's been good, and he hasn't he hasn't let us down really. In fact, he saved us a lot last season. Um, but Ray is just also a very good goalkeeper and has worked with the Arsenal goalkeeping coach before, and Arteta's wanted him before. And and he's now with us. And, and I also think it was a bit of a market opportunity. You know, 30 million to get a, a player of Rayo's quality in. You know, you probably sell him a year later, 45 if you really wanted to. You know, like, you know, yeah. you could. And you could probably sell Ramsdale for 50. So I, I think that's part of it. But it, it feels like smart business generally, uh, whether it's 
whether who ends up number one, I don't know. I like Aaron Ramsdale. I'd like it to work for him, mm-hmm. but uh, but I'm not I'm not sat here like absolutely convinced it's going to work for him. I I don't know. I think there's been signs of encouragement, but I don't know. It, it it's a very weird one. Do, do you guys have a take on it? I mean, obviously Ramsdale, former Bournemouth. I think Ray is a really, really good goalkeeper. I might as well touch on him first. You know, he did a fantastic job at Brentford, um, was virtually ever present for them. Um, So I can see why Arteta brought him in. Likewise, I do really rate Aaron Ramsdale. He does have mistakes in him, admittedly. Every goalkeeper does. Um, Of course, that game against Southampton last season, you know, he made... A number of errors, didn't he, really? It wasn't one of his best. He probably doesn't look back on it. But he is a very good goalkeeper. And I think, you know, personally, I think he should be England number one. I think he should be England number one. I think he's better than Pickford. Yeah, I agree. I can't stand Pickford. No, I can't. I don't think he's maybe as authoritative as Pickford is. Pickford will shout at his defence, but that's probably because Everton aren't particularly very good and they need it. Um, I think even I'd be <laughs> shouting at Everton, to be fair, if I were well, in goal for them. Exactly, mate. They're, they're appalling. Um, and although saying that against Brentford the other day, they were pretty good. Um, yeah, and some of their underlying numbers are weirdly quite impressive. But yeah, yeah, they were poor against us for sure. But I think Ramsdale, I think, you know, is the future or should be England number one. I'm just worried now that if he's dropped and there has been this media furor that has gone on about, you know, his reaction when David Rea made that fantastic save on Saturday, uh, on Sunday, I should say, you know, where he was applauding. I personally think that's him just supporting his teammates. Whereas a lot more has been made of it, hasn't it? You know, well, and also, it's funny, but I get called a fence-sitter on AFTV. Uh, I do it quite well. But that's exactly where I stand on this Ramsdale thing, which is they were saying it was performative, the clapping and all that. Mm. And my opinion is it, it was performative, but not in the way people think. I think yeah. he was criticised, not criticised, but there were murmurings on social media that on the bench against Everton, when the camera panned to him, he looked miserable or sulky or whatever. It's incredible that anyone can form a judgment off 30 seconds of footage. Not, not even probably five, 10 seconds, but there you go. And then I think he knew that if Rhea were to do something great, the the camera would come to him. And I think he just wanted to say, to just make it very clear. I'm supporting my teammate. If he does something brilliant, I'm absolutely behind him. Goalkeepers union. I'm there with him, blah, blah, blah. It's all good. So I think he maybe did. It It looked a bit exaggerative and the, you know, the big clap and then the look yeah. to the side. He's a slightly dramatic character. So that might just be him mm-hmm. quite possibly. I love him, by the way. I love his character. I want to yes, say that. Yeah. Um, but it probably was a little bit performative. But I don't, not in like a, I don't think it was in a, I'm sort of taking the piss and, oh, let me, yeah, I'm, I'm really good for the team. I don't think that's what he was trying to do. Mm. I think he was just trying to say, guys, I'm really behind him, genuinely. Like, and let me show you I'm behind him by, by applauding when he does something great. And so I think it was just taken out of proportion, as always, because it's Arsenal. Let's, uh, let's all pile in when it's Arsenal. 
And yes, I'm defensive when it comes to that stuff. (laughs) The wonderful world of media and social media, especially X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, whatever Elon Musk is going to come up with this week. um, That place, well. He's ruined it, by the way, but anyway. Oh, he has. Yes. Yes. I can't stand the place, to be perfectly honest. But um, (laughs) let's move on to Declan Rice. Um, A hundred million. Is he what what you expected at the start? Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, I'd say he's gone above and beyond that because I, I thought a slow start, I thought it'd take a little bit of time. What Partey did last year that was so underrated, in my opinion, was in a side that didn't have De Bruyne, Gundogan, Haaland leading the line, you know, the most formidable back, you know, options in the back four. And by the way, we had great options, don't get me wrong, yeah. Erdegaard and Jesus and Arpez. What Partey did was constantly ask for the ball under pressure and either give it immediately and keep the ball moving. He turned into space. He recognised when there was a pass through the lines. And I think he did it as well as any defensive midfielder in the league last year, the threading through the lines, starting attack, mm-hmm. being the orchestrator for a team. Rodri's very clutch and far more established in that role. Partey was a box-to-box player. He's had to learn it in the last two years whilst being riddled with injuries. Now, Rice coming in, I thought, well, it's taken Partey so long to understand that. You know, will Rice pick it up so quickly? But my word, has he? Now, his notable moments in the sixth role are actually the defensive moments. He's an incredible duel winner, incredible ball winner, wins his headers. And when you think a player is about to pick up the ball in loads of space, his ability to get back and stick a leg out and then get us back going in transition is absolutely phenomenal. He does a one-man job in there. Like, I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. Yeah. Ability to cover ground as a defensive, as a pure defensive midfielder, superb. On the ball, he's really impressed, but you can just tell he's not got Partey's same languid coolness on the ball, where I think Partey tricks defenders into thinking he's going to do one thing and then going the other way. And that opens up avenues for us and it gives us a real fluidity. He kind of sets the tone with that. Haven't seen that from Rice yet, but I think Arteta's absolutely got the intention of playing both at times. Uh, we haven't seen that as much because of the Zinchenko injury. He moved Partey to right back, so he'd invert from there. And then I think he also, you know, wanted to at times see Partey in the six with Rice box to box, which we've seen once against City uh, in the Community Shield, but we haven't since. So I think I think Arsenal's Arsenal at their best when both are in the midfield. Um, 
But yeah, Rice has been, he's been very good. A little quiet against Tottenham, but we now found out it was started back problems. And I'm actually yeah. going to take that at face value because Palace away, Everton away, May United at home, mm-hmm. he's not shied away from any of those big games and big performances and he stepped up to it and he was actually doing fine against Tottenham before he came off. So nothing to suggest that there was like a, a performance-related issue there. He, he was He was okay, but yeah, the back problem and we really hope he's back for this game because I think knowing that you guys go punch for punch, we're going to need him in transition to help us simmer you down while we try and play yeah. our football. No, fair enough. We're hoping he isn't available, but then again, yeah. you know, <laughs> we wish yeah. him the very, very best. I tell you what, he's a fantastic player. What he did with West Ham as well and how he controlled the game, especially yeah. the 4-0 win that West Ham got down here at the end of last season. He was phenomenal that game. And of course, that led all the way up to that Europa Conference League final. So, that fair play. And I think, you know, he's going to be a real asset for Arsenal. But of course, you also signed uh, Kai Havertz from Chelsea. Um, He's played all six games this season. What sort of effects he had? None. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you was going to say that because I was looking at um, some of the details. And yeah, he... He's an interesting one, isn't he? Because you signed him yeah. for a lot of money. Um, to be honest, let me be fair. Yeah, let me be on. fair, and, and genuinely fair. Does he look a sixty-five million pound attacking midfielder? No. If he came in mm-hmm. as a twenty-five million pound defensive midfielder, who Arteta yeah. was trying to convert into a more attacking player, mm-hmm. I don't think any. I don't think anyone would have anything to say about him. Like I think perspective and his history and who he's meant to be versus what he's being is a big part of that. Now, let me elaborate. What do I mean by that? Well, he's weirdly good in duels. Like, he actually gets quite stuck in. He doesn't look the strongest. He looks quite flimsy going into tackles, but he does get stuck in. He seems to be right place, right time, get involved. He knows how to press. He knows how to mark space and keep players sort of away from the right areas. He's actually done very well in that. He's been winning a lot of headers. Like, he's been really good in aerial battles and aerial duels. He's a neat pass-and-move player. Like, in the game yesterday against Brentford, there were moments where we had sustained spells of possession, particularly down his side, and he was a key part of that. He seems to know where to be, what the rotations are, when he gets the ball, where to give it next, where to move after that, where to keep, how to keep everything running and ticking. Mm-hmm. And he's actually been able to sort of facilitate our play just casually progressing through a game he weirdly allows us a little bit of control i think via the way he presses and keeps the ball quite efficiently but this is like scraping the barrel kind of praise and that's not to say these things don't matter they do but i also don't think Vieira can't do the same thing hell i don't think el nenny could not do what he's doing basically and el nenny is our fourth choice defensive midfielder he's just keeping things ticking but that's only even recent games yeah the start of the season it felt like he was actually actively hampering us like the man united and Mm -hmm. fulham games before the international break so what we're looking for is more conviction from him that when he gets in the final third he has a bit more drive that he's like actually believing in himself we haven't really seen much of that at the moment um there's one point against brentford where he actually sprinted for the first time in an arsenal shirt and then (laughs) And you thought you'd got away from his man, and then he slowed down inexplicably, and then yeah. that's when he lost the ball. So there's a there's a confidence thing there. 
uh, Arteta has largely got most of his signings right, though in central midfield, he struggled a little bit to get that right profile, that right target. Havertz has all the attributes. He can win headers. He seems to get involved in duels. He's got you know nice touch on him. He can pass the ball. Uh, supposedly he's a decent finisher, though we haven't seen that much of that. Um, and he's six foot three, and he can play across multiple positions. Yeah. Havertz could be mm-hmm. the perfect midfielder for Mikel Arteta and for Arsenal. Yeah. But we are a long way off seeing that. Like we we are very far. We're not even able to say, oh, we can see it. Bit raw, but we can see it. We're not seeing it. So the credit I gave him, it's it's deserved for those things. But he, he's quite a way off uh, being what we need him to be right now. He's still a youngster, isn't he? And, you know, he will hopefully improve year on year. Um, well, but... he's 24, Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's 24. So, yes, he is still young. But what's, an, what's staggering and alarming is how far he looks off what a confident Kai Havertz must look like. Like, he looks yeah. incredibly scared to make any mistake i don't think he is i don't think he's playing the game terrified of making errors but i definitely think he's playing the game fearing making an error in in, in like a i don't want to get this wrong not scared but just like i want to do the safe thing here i also think he's probably had an overload of information from arteta rice has spoken to Rio ferdinand about how it's a lot of information to take in early. And that will be what you do off the ball, what you do with the ball, the runs you've got to make when the ball's in particular errors. Iriola will be instilling all this into his Bournemouth players as well. It's you have 25 tasks for 25 different situations. Learn them. Football has evolved beyond instinct and just formations and free-flowing natural principles of football. It's far more calculated and everything is methodical and everything is designed and planned now. And these managers like Arteta Irola, Pep Guardiola, uh, Eric Ten Hag, um, Xavi, they are all trying to implement this. And Havertz will be taking all that info on. And um, you can see that his brain is just like ticking with everything he does. But hopefully he comes good. He's a good player. Oh, well, I think he's a good player. He's a talented footballer. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess that philosophy started, didn't it, with Arsene Wenger um, all those years ago. He was the one that really bought in, you know, that. I guess it was the depth of football, wasn't it? You know, how far he looked into everything and, okay, you know, if a team does this, we do this. And, you know, really, really built that up. Um, So I guess that Arteta and Diriola and people like that are just following on from that, you know, the, the great work that Arsene Beggar did in the early days. Well, it's so funny with Arsene because he was like a pioneer and the, <laughs> like he started a revolution in football of doing all these new yeah. ways and looking at the game completely differently. And then the reason I believe he lost his job, we don't know for sure, but I believe there was a, there was a word and a nudge and a, listen, leave with respect kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and actually, I think the reason that came about was because football then moved so far beyond him. And actually, the way Pep Guardiola started to reinvent the game, the high press from Jurgen Klopp, work rate, physicality, game plans, key, key structures in games, were all beyond Wenger. Like, he, he, he didn't have a physical back four and physical midfielders. Hell, he never really signed a defensive midfielder to 
you know, to, to finally get Arsenal that rock they needed so everyone could play. When years of that striker, our football just felt like, you know, play play your ticker tacker, you know, and, and hope you come through. And we had talented enough players to come through most games, but football's evolved massively now and um it just evolved beyond him, unfortunately. No, fair enough. Of course, the other player that you signed, Jurian Timber, um, and a player that was I really do rate, um, of course, signed yeah. from Ajax. He's been very unlucky. He was injured. But there is a possibility, or not, it depends on what you're going to tell me, that he might be back for this game. Oh, Jurian Timber? Yes. Oh, no chance. No, no, I'm not sure. I don't know. Who told you that? Um, it was something I was reading. It's something I wow. was reading that he was coming back, but... Um, oh, wow. I mean, yeah. that would be extraordinary. No, he won't be back. Um, no, that's fair do, enough. <laughs> we, 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 we don't think he'll be back till February, March. Um, yeah. So, but but um, in fairness, where the confusion might be, in fairness to your source, wherever, uh, wherever that was read, is that uh, Partey, Rice, Trossard and Martinelli We've all had big injuries. Bakaya Saka, we don't know about either. Yeah. Um, I say big injuries. They've all had injuries and missed some significant games or minutes. Um, they are looking like being back for City next week and touch and go for Bournemouth. So that might be where the big injury list and the confusion might have happened. But Timber Timber looked, he looked mustard the minute he came in. Yeah. Like I've never seen a player take to a club so quickly. Well, for Arsenal anyway, he, he just mm-hmm. slotted in like it was nothing. Um, the, the the problem is that he's picked up this ACL injury that I'm slightly yeah. questioning what exactly went on with that injury. Um, and there's you know, suggestions and signs he could be back sooner than... Well, Arsenal never gave a date. Arsenal didn't say March. Everyone else said March. Arsenal under Arteta are renowned for lying to everyone. So yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be totally surprised if he's back early in the new year. I wouldn't be. Just mm-hmm. things like he limped off the pitch. You don't limp off the pitch with an ACL. You see them no. strapped up and being carried off because it's agony. Um, he then reports that he was walking around for two hours after the game, um, you know, basically thinking it, it numbed and it was okay, only to for scans to show that it was very serious. Um, they then said it was an ACL, but they didn't quite specify what was going on. I, I don't know how to explain. I just think Arsenal want the world to think he's out for the season. But I think there's a good chance he plays a lot of the second half, actually. I just think the clues are there that Arsenal are basically indirectly saying he might be okay, guys. So, hopefully. Yeah, fair enough. And, yeah, I think it's crossed his back sooner rather than later. Um, but so. it's, it's very unlikely. Um, and the source that I was reading is completely and utterly wrong by the sounds of it. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> where, where I'll give the benefit of the doubt is yeah. they might have listed off the injuries and saying that they could be back sooner than expected and Bournemouth mm-hmm. is, is touch and go for some. So maybe it got lost in translation there because that, that is a true story, that there are a lot of players we didn't think were going to be available for this game and certainly yeah. for City are looking like they might be available now. So So that might be, I'll give the benefit there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Of course, we've covered off the Spurs game, but the return to the Champions League as well was quite impressive the other night, wasn't it? Yeah, very good. Very good. I I thought there'd be 
And actually, let me just pause myself there because the Spurs game, and I've said it in like a thousand reaction videos I've done since the Spurs game. I said we looked very immature, like we didn't handle the occasion where I thought Tottenham yeah. handled it better. From the mistakes we made to the silly yellow cards to the rash challenges to the, the erratic football we played, everything. PSV, three, four days before, was the complete opposite. Incredibly mature. Yes, we're back in the Champions League, but no nonsense, nothing silly, nothing, you know, no, you know, getting hyped up by the occasion, trying things we wouldn't normally try, sort of getting all excited by the Champions League music. It was very mature. We defended our goal well. We did what we had to do. We, we were just, we, we were just, like we we just took to it like we've been you know like this group of players been cham- been playing Champions League football for years yeah. and that was great to see it didn't translate against Tottenham that was partly why it was so surprising but yeah absolutely they they took to it really well do you think uh, and even though Manchester City are five points ahead of everybody else at the moment um, do you think that there might be a title challenge on the cards because yeah. I I honestly do feel City will slip up at some point. I do too. I do too. I I see a city side that are more controlled than ever. Yeah. Now it's all well and good saying they're more controlled. You know, they, they don't concede as many chances, therefore they don't concede as many goals. And they've got Haaland who'll always get a goal a game minimum. So, you know, largely that's gonna to equate to winning a load of games, winning most trophies. Okay, but I also think what happens when you lose that control? Like what happens when you don't have control of a game of football. Yeah. Now, the Centurions, they didn't control every game. Until, I mean, they controlled most. They were so brilliant yeah. to watch. But they weren't like ultra brilliant defensively and never conceding chances, never conceding goals. But they scored so many. They were so relentless mm-hmm. that even if Man City didn't have control of a game, they would create so many chances that, okay, you might score two or three, but we'll score five or six. Like... And that was the fear of them. You, yeah. you kind of felt like scoring two, three goals isn't enough against this team. I don't think City have that this year. I don't think they have that fear that if you go a goal or two up, you don't think, that might do it, guys. Like, we might get a point or two out of this. Now, City also, under Pep Guardiola, haven't been starting seasons as well as they finish them. They've been getting up to steam really February, March onwards, and then you see the best version of that side. So I need to sort of be wary of that with everything I say. But they have started well. They are a machine. and They're brilliant. Mm. But I'm with you. I think there's a chance that they start to slip at some point or that things start to look a little hairy for them at some point. And on Arsenal, I think we have reverted more to that controlled model. We don't look as exciting. So the same criticisms and scepticism applies. Um, but I I do believe we're ready to challenge for the title. I said at the beginning of the season, well, not challenge, we showed that last season. I believe we're ready to win it. Yeah. Now, City being better might be the only thing that stops us. But if you get 89 to 92 points and don't win the league, you just got to say it's one of those. Like, yeah. we're in the City and, and the Pep era, and that just is what it is. Um, I believe we can do it. I really do believe that. And a draw against Tottenham, a draw against Fulham isn't going to change my mind about that. Um, are City better than us? Most people would say yes. I think at our best, when we're firing, I think we yeah. can go punch for punch with them. Um, some people, people might be watching this thinking, you delusional Arsenal fan. 
that's what being a fan's about, no? It's about being a bit delusional exactly. and, and believing and believing you're a bit better than you are and having that hope. But that's fine. Um, I do think the players are there to do it. I really do. Deep down, I believe that everything can click here. And, you know, Iriola, despite our early concerns, might, you know, take us to you know, European places, you know, might be next season going on a tour, probably somewhere like Latvia. Um, <laughs> we're not going to get Champions League. Um, so it's probably going to be the Conference League. But yeah. Latvia, Moldova, you know. Get some amazing trips, man. Get some exactly. amazing trips. I mean, like, being in Europe is just great. Like, kind of whatever the expectations, you know, playing yeah. against European clubs, playing new clubs. We drew... Yes. Um, we drew PSV in the Champions League and I was annoyed because we had them in the group stage of the the, the Europa last year. Um, whenever we draw, there's someone we draw regularly in the cup. I think it's, we've had Forest a few times. There's another club. Well, actually, let me give this example. We've just had Brentford away. We've got West Ham away next in the Carabao. I think you've got yeah. Liverpool at home, haven't you? Yes, we have. Please knock them out. I just think you will, by the yeah. way. I think you'll go full strength and Liverpool will rotate. But anyway, I say all this to say that I I hate getting clubs that I know we're going to, like, fixtures we're going to get anyway. Yeah. So I hate having Brentford away. I hate having West Ham away. Mm-hmm. Give me give me a trip to Port Vale. Give me, give me I don't know, who else is Exeter in that Exeter City. Exeter what a trip. City. Yeah, have I know. Exeter. Night out and, and, you know, watch Arsenal. Brilliant. What more could you yeah. want? You know, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing that does wind me up sometimes. Yeah. It's like, uh, but as always. Do you know what? It would be amazing just to go on this European tour. And even if it's the far flung places that maybe you'd never go to, they're interesting. You know, a Cypriot team in, you know, the middle of October, that'd be quite nice. You know, make a little bit of a holiday of it as well. You know, an amazing trip. Happy days. Yeah. Beautiful places around Europe, man. Honestly. Yeah. Go check them out. Yeah. You're used to it. We're not. <laughs> we just go well, there on holiday. <laughs> I'm not sure flying to Munich to get battered every year is quite being used to it. Well, it is used to it, but not in the way you want to be. But no, hey, we'll take. We had it. We cried about it. We lost it. We wanted it back. Football's yeah. funny, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, I guess last thing we have to do is we always have to predict every single game. So, James, go on. How is it going to go? Well, I went with a two-one Arsenal win because I, I, I look. I think I've, I've got to back my team, but I've, I've got to yeah. respect that Bournemouth played good football, and mm-hmm. I could see us having lapses in concentration away from home. We seem far more focused than at home, mm-hmm. but this Arsenal team do not deserve my trust for a clean sheet. They've got a couple: Everton, Brentford, a full-strength Brentford, by the way. Everton, Brentford, and Palace away. Good on you. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me to list the three toughest away grounds in the league, um, that doesn't include sort of basically Anfield, the Etihad. Those three would be up there. Like those three would probably make my top five of like the least, the place I least want to go to. Um, yeah. So to get to get three one nils this season there is really impressive. But uh, I could see us being a little. I don't know. I could see us just having a moment. Um, and Bournemouth, but and, and actually that's a discredit to Bournemouth. I could also see Bournemouth playing really good football and forcing that moment out of us. Uh, but yeah, you, you guys play good football, and I think you're growing on Nero. And there's a there's a coming of age moment 
coming. Yes. And I hope that's not us, but it is coming. So let's see. Two I, one. I think we will improve considerably after that game against Brighton. And I think Iriola will put, you know, a considering he's come under a little bit of pressure, believe it or not, in Spain, the pressure is even worse than in this country. I believe um, that, yeah. There's a lot of talk about how he's at risk of losing his job here, which I don't believe. I don't believe he's at risk of losing his job here. I think, you know, at the end of the day, he's got to be given time. If Bill Foley was to make that decision now, you know, I think it would be a ridiculous one based on, you know, three draws, three defeats with the run that we had at the start. But this is, so forgive me, I'm just having a little look at your results. Because uh, as far as I'm aware, there's been nothing embarrassing. So no, every time I type Bournemouth hasn't. into Google, right? So so here we go. One up at Brighton, you lost three one. Find me many clubs that aren't going to lose at Brighton. Drew with Chelsea, drew away at Brentford. So those are two really good results. Lost at home to Tottenham, but Tottenham were in great form, and you were playing. You played some really good stuff in that game. You went and. Uh, lost at Liverpool, but played again, could easily have got back into that game, went one nil up, showed really good signs, and then drew it home to West Ham. So, who have made a good start? So, I'm about to sneeze, so I'm just trying to hold that back. No, that's all right. <laughs> so, this illness, bloody hell. So, yeah. what I'm trying to say is, West Ham, who, who then went on to win their next three games after that, like when you put it into context, it's a great start. Yeah, not, well, it's, not a great start. It's it's a very encouraging start. Yeah, I guess it, it's the way. See, the thing is, is the Brighton game. I just felt that what we did was we we just made the silly mistakes at the back. You know, from kickoff, you shouldn't be conceding, especially your own kickoff in that space of time. Um, yeah, I know that we did. You know what we did at the Emirates last season. But at the same time, you know, it was a very, very quick off the training training ground move. It didn't feel like that. I think Iriola will put that right. And I think, yeah. you know, we won't make those same mistakes. I honestly don't. Plus, when we've been at home, we haven't looked too bad. You no. know, the Spurs game, you know, is the only game at home, of course, out of the three that we've been beaten in. But like you say, very, very good Spurs side this year, unfortunately for you guys. Um, just, if you don't mind, I, I just had a little look at your mm-hmm. like calendar, basically. And I really hope he's given time in Rola. And I really hope yeah. he pulls out a few surprise wins just to get points on the board. Because I'm just looking at it now, I feel the fixture list can... It can be kind. I know everyone plays everyone home and away, but it yeah. can be kind. It can be nasty. And I think there's a slightly nasty one here for Irola where all the all the tough games at home are coming quite early. But even those away trips, you know, the, the Goodison Park, that comes after Arsenal. Like yeah. that's quite tricky. So I actually think, look at your second half of the season, where even the tough games you got, at least they're landing at home, some of them. Yeah. It's almost nicer. So I kind of hope, I mean, just sort of scrolling through, like you end the season. Uh, I'm just having a little look now. After Tottenham away, 30th of December, we go to January. Liverpool at home, West Ham away, Nottingham Forest at home, Fulham away, 
Newcastle away, City at home, Burnley away, Sheffield at home, Wolves away, Everton at home, Palace at home, Luton away. Like that's a much nicer balance than what you've yeah. basically got now, which is all the games we mentioned, Brighton, Liverpool, Tottenham, West Ham, Chelsea, Arsenal we've had. Then you've got, you've got Arsenal coming, you've got Goodison and Park. But then, okay, Wolves and Burnley is two nice games. Mm-hmm. Then away at City, a home to Newcastle, away at Sheffield, a home to Villa, away at Palace, away at United. Like the six, seven after that look quite not like not nasty. Like, I, Bournemouth will be fine. I really think Bournemouth will be fine. Yeah. But I just I hope it gets given the time because mm-hmm. the calendar can skew where like the table. And I also think sometimes it's not till match week twenty that you should really start to look at where teams are in the league. Really. So I, I hope he's given the time. I think he'll deserve it. I think, and I'm not going to bet against my team, but I think we might get a point. And the reason being is I think he'll put what happened in, you know, that Brighton game right. But I do agree with you. You know, there's a lot of, they're starting, the the murmurs are starting, you know, with regards to Iriola and some people doubting him. And then, of course, myself even, turned around and wasn't very impressed by the Brighton game. Those games are going to happen for every manager, but it's how you learn from that. And Gary O'Neill, to be fair to him, learned from his mistakes early on in the season, which, of which there was many. And we put it right. I'm hoping you're right. And I think you will be right in that he'll do a good job. He will follow in Arteta's footsteps, uh, you know, on a different scale of club, of course. Um, but I think, you know, he will take us on to the next level. Um, I was right about you lot staying up. Yeah, you I, was. I remember being on the podcast and and I think you were saying, I'm not sure, but, you know, I hope so. And so I'll take that. My, my record on this channel is quite good. It I is, like Bournemouth. Yeah. I really hope you guys get it right. I really do. And to be honest, if they did sack Iriola, there's nobody really that I can comes to mind that I'd want to come on board, apart from Eddie Howe. And I think he's having quite a good time in Newcastle at the moment. Well, and how long that lasts, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, this is this is the direction. It might feel like what everyone's doing to a degree, but you want to play good football. You want to get some good young players in. You want a manager who has shown that they can reinvigorate a side and be entertaining. You're on a good, you're on a really good path. I mean, I think Everton fans would rather, well, I don't know, I was about to say, would rather be in Bournemouth. But, but yeah, I, I would think so. There's an optimism, and that's what you want for your club. Hopes, hopes, all you ever are. You want to feel like you've got a legitimate reason for hope. That's all you ever want for your team. Yeah, most definitely, mate. Most definitely. Well, James, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on this show. I'm sure we'll do this later on in the season. 100%. Hopefully, Iriola is proving you right. I'm sure sure he will. I hope so. After Sunday or after Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. As Um, As a full time in this game. I hope Iriola yes. goes on a fabulous run. Yeah. Oh, it'd be brilliant. And even, you know, you never know. He might even take some points off teams around Arsenal as well. And that is... Yeah, well, That'd be great. If you look at his track record in Spain, he's beaten Barcelona. He's beaten Real Madrid. So there's a good manager there. You know, I look at it, there's either one or two things. And I think it's the first one, which is... 
Iriola is a fantastic manager. He's got this great style, but these players just haven't adapted to his style of play. The other option, which I don't think it is, is that these players can adapt, but Iriola was kind of supported and the Rayo Vallecano team kind of carried him because they were that good. You know, there was this group of players that just come together and it happens in football. You see managers where that can happen. they, it, it, it does, but I think it's the first one. I think yeah. what he's going to do is it's just going to take a little bit of time. These players will click and then hopefully we'll go on a bit of a run and you never know, take some points off teams around you, mate. And, you know, hopefully can help Arsenal out because honestly mate I'd love to see you guys win the league I honestly would Arsenal is the one team I'd like to see win the league I appreciate that a lot thank you thank you hopefully we do I'm I'm not overly confident but I'm back in the team let's see yeah definitely and it would be mean another year that Spurs uh, um, sat below you Um, probably trophyless yeah well that's the hope they're already out the Carabao so Let's just hope for a couple more. Although they seem to be in this title race, which we don't want either. So let's see. Yeah, they'll disappear. They'll disappear. As so. much as I rate Postagoglu, they'll disappear. Yeah, he's looking <laughs> good, isn't he? Yeah. Well, James, like I say, absolute pleasure. And we'll catch you up later on in the season, no doubt. Thank you. But honestly, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's been great fun and best of luck for the season. Thanks so much, mate. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this show. Please remember to hit the like, subscribe, the bell button below to be alerted to any new videos we do here on Up the Cherries and All Departments. Please also do check out our interviews. We had Joe Roach recently, as well as many other special guests as well. Also, do make sure that you do check out A Cherry Abroad to see what I got up to in the UAE and India uh, very, very recently. Um, you know, it was quite exciting. Um, an amazing, amazing trip. Um, so please do check that out and let me know what you think as well in the comments. But until the next show, up the cherries. We'll see you then. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.